0: they can actually invest in big assets, you know, institutional grade assets in some cases without having to do the operation side of things, without having to manage the toilets, tenants, termites, all of that good stuff. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts,
1: Adam and Jason. Welcome back to The Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host Jason, J. Lou Lewis. And today we're going to be diving into how to be different than your competition. This is (laughs) going to be from someone who has a lot of energy. Uh, We just met and the few minutes of the pre-show, this guy's got energy. He's got jokes, but he's adding value super smart guy. He's involved in multifamily. He's involved in syndications and podcasting and branding. And I'm just excited for him to bring his energy and to see in the next 20, 25 minutes of how much value that that energy is going to to bring out because I think it's going to be a lot. So
0: (laughs) we shall see.
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, Ruben Greth, welcome on to the creative real estate podcast show.
0: Dude, Jason, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I think you're,
1: I would guess that you're excited just to be alive. I am. I
0: freaking love life, dude. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, that's, it's coming out just even in the audio. I have the pleasure of getting to see on the other end here on the, on the video as well. (laughs) So I can just see the smile and energy coming out. So I, I like it. I love it. So let's dive right into your first deal well when did you get the real estate bug and see the value that it could create for yourself and and others
0: uh so we're talking about 2006 i think i started looking into it and i didn't know back at that time i was trying to navigate this this whole world of real estate which is just an enormous world right so you can go in so many different directions and i got educated by um I'm not a guru, but an educational company that taught like way too many strategies. I think there's like 25 strategies. And I was very determined to become a real estate investor. So I raised some capital for anything that I could. Actually, I don't even know how I did it. Honestly, I think it was probably my energy, like you're talking about. So we, we ended up finding this. I'm really into like personal development and manifestation and spirituality. And even way back then, like somebody's just like, yeah, like I just was visualizing paychecks and I found a gold mining operation. You know, I was really into gold. And I was like, well, you got to introduce me to this guy. Like, I want cash flow from a gold mining operation. So like, just who doesn't want gold
1: (laughs) cash flow. That sounds awesome.
0: (laughs) So I was just talking about it in front of people, like on the phone, like hustling. And being energetic about it. And people overheard me talking to other people on the phone. And they're just like, wait, what are you talking about? I want in. They didn't even know anything about it, right? So, like, we raised some cash. We put it into a gold mining operation. Didn't turn out to be successful. And then I raised capital for, I was really determined to invest in real estate. And you have that that declared real estate status, right? I'm an investor. So, we found this hotel development entitlement kind of operation gig where we were going to change the zoning, but we needed some cash to change the, the zoning. And then we put money into that. I lost. So on my first two deals, I made nothing. And then from there, like just trying to navigate and calm down a little bit. Um, one of, one of the people that was in the community of investors that I was around was successfully fixing and flipping houses. So I raised some cash for his deal and then I raised some cash for another deal. And then I was um, doing a thought leadership platform at the time before I even knew what a thought leadership platform was, but I was doing videos uh, under the Phoenix real estate investors branding. So at the time, um, I was recording videos from different investors just trying to add value and a couple of them. I recorded videos for them and then raised capital for a couple of their deals. So another couple of fix and flips. And then eventually I found somebody that was in multifamily, right? So he was specifically taking down fourplexes during the crash or a little after the, the crash. I was interviewing him in front of his deals, asking him questions about cash flow, about liabilities, you know, kind of mindset questions, and then specific to his properties about, you know, how he found him, where did he raise the capital from, what he was doing to tenant occupy them, to rehabilitate them and get them back on the market for sale or just to hold in such a quick fashion. He was literally doing flips or getting properties completely from vacant status to tenant occupied within like 15 days and then back on the market. And it was crazy. So because of the way that I interviewed him, I assume people really liked what we were doing. It was a I think some people saw the crash as an opportunity of a transfer of wealth was happening right before our eyes. And that came through in the video. So people started reaching out to us. They started flying into town and be, and were like, you know, we want to interview you. We want to see what you're doing. We want to touch the properties for whatever reason people like to be able to physically touch assets. And then, you know, we we were taking them down so easily. We'd offer them... opportunity to invest with us. And they typically would not be ready. And we would take it down anyways, you know, with some additional capital. And then when they saw that we could perform without them, it kind of made them feel like we're missing out, you know, that FOMO, that fear of missing out. So on the next deal, they would always invest And over a period of around um, maybe two years we raised $625,000 for all of these deals. I guess maybe not him because he raised additional capital. But the portion that I brought to the table was six hundred somewhere in that range, 622000 I think. It's been a while since I did the math. But yeah, that was my introduction to raising capital. And then he and I, my partner and I split up the multifamily guy. And I left real estate altogether for a long time, and then just basically, uh, just recently, came back um, by aligning with a multifamily syndication company here in Phoenix. So that's that's how I started, I
1: guess. (laughs) You, You got the bug, and it sounded like you you had a good ride.
0: So it's been a good ride. It's just beginning, honestly. Like I expect to be in the multifamily business, or in real estate, or in the capital raising business. You know, probably for the rest of my life. That's so, great.
1: Well, that will lead us right into kind of the main question. I think one of the, the topics that I'd like to cover today is how to be different than your competition. Because the reason I, I want to dive into that is you raised capital before you had a deal. And it was because I think your energy and just your positivi- positivity, positiveness, positiveness, drawing a blank on... <laughs>
0: Positivity, yeah, whatever, positivity. whatever, whatever the word is. I yeah. think, I think that's possible. I think um, I was so excited, and I'm still very excited about it. I mean, multifamily or real estate in general is just something that a lot of people want to dive into. Whether, I mean, even people that have been in the business for a long time are still incredibly excited about it. But for new people that are trying to navigate their way and figure out how to get involved, I think this specific asset class is very enticing right so it's got all these cash flow and tax benefits and everything's you know put together in one place it's not diver- it's not spread out over you know you don't have to have a property manager in like 35 locations they can all you know be in one spot so there's all kinds of benefits but i, I think that raising capital for this specific asset i think because everybody's lived in an apartment they can relate, right? So basically they understand that if you take care of the tenants, you provide a good area, you, you create a situation where the residents are happy and they're getting you know, a better place than they would elsewhere for a better price, they can understand that business model. So I think it's, it's very sexy for most people to get in that specific asset class. But a lot of people go through life almost blindly, right? They think that the only way that they can invest because of limiting beliefs or programming is that you know we have to buy a single family and then another one and then eventually you can scale into something else. But what they don't realize, and I think a lot of our missions, I think maybe your mission and Adam's mission and a lot of syndicators' mission is to enlighten people and explain that they can actually invest in big assets You know, institutional grade assets in some cases without having to do the operation side of things, without having to manage the toilets, tenants, termites, all of that good stuff. And multifamily investing as a partnership, as a limited partner, or even as a joint venture is a great way to get involved if you're, you know, beginning or, you know, as obviously as you know, people that are in the business already they're looking to partner with other people and align and scale their business. Because I think one of the sexiest things about real estate is that it's got so much scalability, right? You can just grow it into whatever your mindset allows. So it's, it's a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. And how much does the last thing you just said, it's a lot of fun. How much does that help you in differentiating yourself from the I want to say typical real estate syndicator or investor who's kind of more analytical and it's just, you got everything buttoned up and this is the way it is and here's when we invest and here's how we buy and here's where your return is and here's why we're better than everyone else Uh, and et cetera, et cetera on these these pitch calls that
0: people do for 40 years. Well, yeah, we've been talking a lot about this specific internally this concept of emotional versus logic-based selling or investing, really. So like a lot of, if you go to people's websites, syndicators' websites, you'll see a lot of logic. If you listen to a webinar about raising capital for a specific deal, you'll hear about the team, you'll hear about the market, you'll hear about the return structure, you'll hear about all this logic-based stuff that's really not what a lot of people are interested in because they're not Geeks, like we are they 're not real estate geeks; they just are looking for freedom. We went into a, a a couple of different investor buying profiles, and some people are into that. Some people need a lot of information, but a lot of other people they 're investing for other reasons they 're investing because you know investing gives them power or status or it allows for generational wealth. They have all these different motives right and so I'm a rambler like you, and so I'll try and hit your question. Like, how do you be different than everybody else? I think by finding a specific thing that nobody else is doing. So everybody's got a multifamily syndication show, but maybe their personality doesn't shine through. Maybe if they're spiritual, they're, they don't talk about that because they're on a real estate show. So why would you talk about spirituality or peak performance or mindset or selling patterns or whatever it is that interests you that makes you unique? Well, that's exactly why people are going to tune in is because you have a specific point of view and you don't talk about the same thing that everybody else does. So I would say in order to be unique or in order to separate yourself is you, you have to be yourself. You have to be unique. You have to find the things that are most interesting and you have to come from a unique point of view. And you have to be emotional. You can't just be like logic, 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 logic. Some people that'll resonate with, but most people are really into real estate investing for the emotional reasons for what they can get the time freedom the cash flow the you know the lifestyle i think that's when you really approach things from that perspective and and try and be different that can have a dramatic effect on your success
1: now what are, what are some of those other unique ways that people invest in real estate emotionally you've kind of mentioned that some because of the status and generational wealth and they just want to invest in real estate because it's, quote, sexy. What what are some ways you maybe use So, so yeah,
0: there's there's others. There's actually people that don't do it from that perspective. So, there's some people, they're investment phobics. And when you can identify these people, they love the idea of investing, but investing scares the hell out of them. So, what they really want to do is find someone that they know, like, and trust and turn it over to them. So you can identify these people. You can approach them that way. There's other people that their main motivating factor is to be completely private. So I I think of like Michael Jordan, right? So this dude that's got all kinds of cash, he doesn't want anybody to know what he's investing in and he's very private, right? There's other people, let's see, that are, that their motivating factor is they're, they're called the family stewards. They basically their main concern, and if you can identify, identify this pattern within them, you can talk to them from an approach of, hey, you know, investing with me really was going to provide generational wealth, so that your kids are taken care of, and so that your grandkids are taken care of, and that this can be a legacy that you can pass on. And there's other people, you know, it's I know a lot of people that are are the gambler, so they have this mindset of, oh, investing in real estate, that's like I can get this big adrenaline rush from being at the closing table. I I think maybe part of me is like that, you know, where, where it's like a hobby, but it's also that adrenaline rush is really what they need. So when you can identify these different patterns in people, you can really talk to them from a, from a different perspective that allows you to connect with them and make them feel heard. Right. So everybody, needs to feel heard and understood before they will invest with you and i'm no expert at closing or anything like that but i just like to play with these concepts and then have them in the front of my mind as i'm talking to people to see if i can figure out ways to resonate with them and find ways that i can align with them so that my product and my investment opportunity or my vision in general um, can align with them so that they begin to know, like, and trust me enough to want to, want to work with me. And I've heard recently that people like to invest with, or they like to, when, when something's complicated, they will probably reach out to the person who's forefront of mind, or that has demystified most recently specific topics about investing or whatever. And that's, that's part of it, right? So, um, When you can talk to people and be the last person they talk to or the first person that they talk to, they tend to trust you and want to work with you because you're the one that introduced them to these concepts. And, you know, if they're your friend, you know, why would they want to invest with somebody else? I think it is a relationship business and your friends will actually, according to Tony Robbins, will help you close them. You know, they'll actually give you what they need in order for them to participate with you.
1: The, the KLT, know, like, trust, I think is sometimes a little overrated or underrated, apologize, in the investing world because it's just all about getting that number showing you're an expert, whereas they might not get to really know you or like you. They might trust you because your data shows that you have a track record, but you don't really get the first two when you're just going off data and, and your track record of success and not letting your own personality come out The the know and the like is i'm guessing ruben the average person that meets you knows gets to know you and likes you pretty quickly
0: maybe maybe i it just depends like you you probably think that i'm extroverted and at times i certainly can be but at other times like if you put me into a party where I have nothing in common with people. I have a major challenge. Like you get somebody that wants to talk about snowboarding or investing. Hey, I'll talk for hours on that. But if I'm in a situation where those two particular things that I'm interested in are not available, those people don't resonate with those things. I have a super challenge talking to people, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, but that goes to the fact that you you know you want to resonate with people and you want to align with them. So I think that's that's something to to take away for the listeners is that you don't you aren't forcing them. You, you said you you aren't that uh, that much of an expert on closing. You just like to figure out ways to resonate and align. And I think yeah. that that is what I want to pull out of, of this and and here have the listeners here is that. You recognize that you're not an expert closer, but why it works is you're not trying to close them. You simply are finding a way that's for, so true. for you to resonate with the person you're talking to. And when you go into a, a party and they don't snowboard or they don't want to invest in real estate, you're kind of a little lost because you're not just going to close them. That's not your personality and you want to resonate. And that's, that's when you struggle a little bit. But I think when you do get into that sphere of people that are know like and trust you, that's the power of it. so I think it's just it goes to show there's just so many different ways to go about it, and that's the power of real estate that if you are a data person, hang your hat on data and get the people that are just going to invest in that. But if you're someone like yourself who, who you like to resonate with people that that's that's your mode, and uh go for it.
0: I think that's there's there's the few, there's few people i think and here's the point that, here's a point that i want to drive home to the audience is that data is really a logic you know based kind of indicator it's not going to sell a lot of people people will make their decisions emotionally and then justify it with logic but if if you're trying to sell somebody or just trying to promote your business from a very logic data graph Hypothetical return structure, you know, let me explain what the cap rates are and the market, you know, why we selected it. All of that information is it's not why people are going to invest. Like, once you connect with them, they'll need to see that stuff to make sure that they know that you know what you're talking about. But that's not going to work if you're trying to. And there's a lot of people, I think, that want to, because of their logic oriented personality, they're going to try and sell their business or promote themselves from that perspective. Or maybe they even like people within my organization, they realize that they're not emotional and they kind of turn that stuff over to a marketing guy like me. And I'm no, I'm marketing expert, but at least I come from a place of emotion rather than, than logic. So.
1: Yeah, that, that's, uh, I'm not sure what they call it, but they are saying that that type of marketing and advertising is going to be kind of rampant after this current, you know, epidemic COVID situation, because people need to be kind of told of how they should feel and how they should react. That's, that's a, happened in the that's past. That's
0: a fascinating concept. Actually, I just listened to a two-hour webinar From Darren Hardy, that talked about the messaging that people used to do before COVID and what it's supposed to be now, and what specific companies, large companies like Coca Cola and Walmart, and some other, I forget the list of all the companies that he used, but the messaging has completely shifted from, you know, a let me show you, you know, how to improve your status or self actualize to a place of, hey, we're coming. We're coming at you from, hey, what we do is safe and secure and we're managing things. If you can show proof that you are doing things from a perspective of this environment and empathy for people that like, you know, people are freaking out. So if you can empathize with them, I think the messaging for a lot of companies has changed to do that. And people are coming from a place of fear now, not a place of, hey, what's in it for me? It's just like, how do I... Calm down and you can change your messaging for that so I wish I could explain it better I'm actually probably going to spend multiple hours studying this specific um, marketing messaging so that I can change the message that we're doing to show you know hey we're, we're spotlighting heroes in the community we're doing things from a place of let me show you what we've changed for our communities, for the investors, for the, I should say, for the residents that we manage, here's the things that we're doing. Because that gives people some level of comfort in this specific environment and market that we're dealing with. So that's, that's another thing is like how fast do you adapt and pivot and change your marketing strategy? Because I, there was a point in time where I, I didn't know how to pivot. And I had to, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I had to leave real estate altogether because I couldn't adapt quick enough. And that's a big part of a successful campaign these days is to be able to change, to be able to go from asset class to asset class or to um, adapt your business model to, if you're in multifamily, to stay up to times and change your messaging so that it resonates with people.
1: That's for sure. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how the corporate, large corporations respond the next six six months, 12 months to their ad- advertising style. It'll definitely be unique and interesting to follow. So we're going to take a quick break, let our uh, sponsor get in a quick word, but I would like to hear most unique thing before we do about Ruben Greth. What, what's, what's a fun, unique thing that will allow the listeners to know, like, and trust you as, as creative thing that you can quickly think of? Interesting fact about Ruben Gareth.
0: So I studied a bunch of languages, six languages in college. I love camping. I'm a snowboarder. I love spirituality. Um, And while I don't practice meditation as much as I want to, I do believe that when I spend time in that arena, like I can actually bring things into existence if I focus on them from a place of gratitude uh, one of the things that I really wanted to share is that you have to align with your source, right, in order to attract these things. So a lot of people, if nobody's looking, they may do things like kick their dog or cheat on their wife, and they, they're sneaky. And I would suggest one of the messages that I really wanted to re- to share today was that, like, in order to align with frequency and create a reality. You have to be in alignment with yourself and your source, and if you're cheating in some way, it's very challenging to create something that you want if you're not being a good person. So from a philosophical and moral inherent you know perspective, introspective um, you know viewpoint, I would su- suggest and maybe invite people to be careful about the way that they operate themselves on a regular basis. And if you can approach life from a place of kindness and really do things, even when people aren't looking, I think it can help you align with the frequency, with the reality that you want to create and give you the power to manifest. All these people that like don't really care and they wonder why they're not attracting the things that they want because They don't do the little things like they leave the shopping cart where somebody else can hit it and they don't just do it they just don't put it back to where it belongs when you focus on those little tiny things those little minute or minute details it really helps you align with yourself morally and allows you to attract all kinds of amazing things into your life
1: i'll have to end with i was at uh the store last night and i was looking around at the shopping carts left out because a buddy posted a interesting concept around the shopping cart uh idea of it's not required by law for you to put it back you're not going to get fined but it's just a common courtesy to do so and it and it just shows so much about a person and a and a culture and a society of the shopping it's like the shopping cart philosophy or something like that. And he went deep into it. And it was, I think, so spot on. So I was looking around last night and uh then when I went to put my shopping cart in there, I made made sure that I put it in a little extra far just just to cover myself. So in case anyone is watching. But yeah, that's I think the shopping cart is interesting you say that is is a is a topic that uh really shows kind of who you are because it's not the law. It's just It's just the right thing to do. So, all right, let's take a quick break. Listen to our sponsor, have a quick word, and we'll come back with our final five.
0: This episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while. You love the show and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review. I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask.
1: Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. We have Ruben and we're going to dive right into the <laughs> final five. And, and, and Ruben might pull a... a uh, uh, Mulligan or an Audible or on me and and when I ask him his most creative real estate deal that he's done, I think he might want to dive in and talk a couple more minutes about shopping carts. But hey, we'll leave it up to him. Shopping carts, your most creative real estate deal?
0: Creative real estate deal? I can't really think of one. I think the the most the craziest deal that I ever did was the gold mining operation. I don't know if that's real estate, but I mean, you technically own the land right that you're investing in. Unfortunately, like the money that I we put into it really just paid for explosive and tractors and equipment and we never really got enough gold. We got some gold, but not massive amounts of gold enough to you know run a successful gold mining operation. But that was a fun project, so I would say that was probably the most creative one.
1: Tractors and Explosives. blowing stuff up. I got
0: to, I got to be there for some of the dynamite blowing, so that was cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, really it's cool.
1: That, that that sounds like a good time right there. So what's where do you see the market in five years and, and ultimately where do you see yourself?
0: In five years, where do I see myself? So at that point, I'll probably own around, let's say, 1,250 units. I don't know that I'll own the entire portfolio. I'll probably own a fraction of it and I'm good with that. Um, The market, I actually am very different than a lot of people. I do believe it's going to continue to be maybe not a full-blown strong bull market, but I do believe that real estate in general, if you look at what was going on in real estate in 1900 versus what's going on in 2020, it's just been on a steady incline. So regardless of what happens, if there's any economic corrections, I do believe we'll be in a stronger place in five place, or if not, on our way towards a stronger place and really the question is what's real estate going to be doing in 50 years and it's going to be a lot better than than a lot of things you know I like just look at what real estate costed 50 years ago there's one of the famous people that I interviewed this dude named Sam Freshman 78 years old and he said all real estate investors that have been in the game for over 20 years have the same two mistakes Basically that they sold too soon and they didn't buy enough. And I I come from that perspective too. So my idea is to align with new partners, private placement equity, limited partners, general partners, joint venture partners, and just continue to grow and acquire more assets and hold them, you know, legacy investing, what I call.
1: Great. What's what's a book that you like to read or recommend to others?
0: Dude, full blown my favorite book is called The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer and it really talks about all of these spiritual values. I think Wayne Dyer used to be a person that like was very success driven, motivated by those things and now I kind of read more about, you know, philosophical standpoints and how to live a fulfilled, happy life. Regardless of whether you become successful, regardless of whether you raise capital, regardless of if you get the portfolio that you want or whatever it is that you're after, just operate from a place of being happy at all the time, you know? So those are the types of books that I love the most. Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer.
1: Great. What's your favorite way you like to give back to the real estate community, given the fact that it's put you in a a good spot today?
0: yeah man I, so here's i'm going to throw you for a loop here, but I would say is to have a specific o c d ness about you, just like everything that you do because how you do anything is how you do everything. The way that I give back is by giving my absolute best in the podcast that I produce by allowing myself to be full blown creative and not caring if people like me or not, and typically, I think when you approach your podcast or life or your business that way, it helps because people don't want to associate with people that are really concerned with what everybody else is thinking about them. The people that create the most success are really the ones that don't care. I mean, obviously you have to have some things in place where they get what they want, but not, I mean, on a podcast, just be yourself and not worry about if people like you or not just, be true to yourself.
1: Be true and people will know, like, and trust you right there. So what's what's the best way that people can reach out to you if they want to follow up here after the show? We'll throw it in the show notes, email, cell phone.
0: Um, Ruben at Bakerson.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Capital Razor. And I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn great. too. So those are all great avenues.
1: Great. We'll th- we'll throw uh, the email in the show notes so people can reach out, along with your favorite book and any of the other links we've talked about. But Ruben, it has been an absolute pleasure. The energy brought today is uh, <laughs> is is great. It's we're interviewing here in the later afternoon when you start to kind of drag on a little bit. So you, you gave me a little boost so that way I can go crush. You keep dude, crushing you're a the, great the day, host, so. man.
0: Keep keep doing it, man. Congratulations on setting up, you know, your relationship with Adam and then being, you know, his co-producing or co-partner in this podcast. That is really big time dude. like, how do you become Adam Adam's real estate podcast partner? That's really cool, man. I commend well, you on that.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Ruben. Well, as always, my friends, until next time, think outside the box.